good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast. Coming at you again on this lovely Tuesday morning. Hope you're doing okay this Tuesday. Maybe you got your coffee. Maybe you're on your way to work. Hopefully, it's a nice day outside. Hopefully, you have a good day today. We're coming at you today with another interview. I am in the state of Ohio right now as we pre-record this episode and have a special guest with us today, a friend of mine. But hopefully you're doing well, and I want to shoot you our email And uh, as soon as we start this, and that's 2Ps21 at yahoo.com. Send us some feedback, some criticism, just suggestions, maybe somebody you'd like us to interview we haven't already, anything. Give us something. <laughs> Give us anything. 2Ps21 at yahoo.com. T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. Well, Brother Zach's not with us today. As you all know, most probably 98, 99% of the time when we do interviews, it's just me because I'm on the road today. And uh, But today we are parked at Pentecostal Holiness Tabernacle. And with me today is a friend of mine, Brother Jairus Dotson. It's good to be here. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, I'm just honored to be here, Brother Austin. So the big question is, are you a listener? I do listen to a lot of the episodes. I can't say that I've listened to every single one, but I've been listening to quite a few of them. All right. So you got a lot to make up. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Wait for a big trip and then just make up on them. Well, I can try to make up for them while I'm at work. I get to listen to music pretty much All right. uh, for about half my shift, so I have to try to catch up. All right. Well, that'll work. So we got you on here today. And uh, so I guess the, we'll, we'll first start so people can kind of know who you are before we go to the topic. And uh, so where you where you're from originally? You're not you're not a Buckeye. No, praise the Lord. I'm, oh, I, I get to claim better uh, uh, better grounds for my birthplace. I'm from the great state of Oklahoma. I uh, <laughs> grew up there. Uh, I've come from a little small town called Amber, Oklahoma, and uh, grew up there all my life until I went to Bible school. And so I think there's no better state than Oklahoma. I know that's a dangerous thing to say in the area I now reside in. Everybody thinks it's either Ohio or or that state of Kentucky. Uh, But I claim Oklahoma to be the best state. (laughs) Well, we'll have you on here anyways. But we do have some Oklahoma listeners. Well, that's that's a good thing. That's the best state. On the podcast platform that we use, it shows our top ten states um, of listeners. And actually, Ohio is number one. Um, we have more listeners in Ohio than anywhere else. Kentucky's number two. Indiana's number three. So we've hit the tri-state pretty hard. And uh, but Oklahoma's in the top five. And uh, Praise the and Lord. So we do have Oklahoma listeners. So shout out to all you. What are they? Oh, the problem is, do we want to be carnal or not? <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, uh, Oklahoma's or, only known by sports teams if you're trying to say – uh, you know, uh, Oklahomans, that's about all you can say unless you're going to start a, a bedlam war, and, and then we've all got into carnality, and we better stay away from that. Okay, well, whatever you are, <laughs> it's good for you to be a listener. But anyways, um, so when did you get saved? So I grew up in church all of my life, and so from an early age, I was around it a lot. And when I was a young teenager, 12, 13, 14, I was in church a lot, and I know I'd had experiences with the Lord. I couldn't point you, though, to the exact time when I really felt like the Lord moved in my life. And so I I just had a lot of questions in that regard, and, and I just was 
pretty in and out, up and down. Not that anybody knew it, but just in my own personal life, I just wasn't where I needed to be. Right. And I can remember when I was 16, I had a uh, instance that caused me to get a lot more serious because I, I never was against church. I never was bitter. I just always thought, you know what? I, I go to church. I'm in church enough that eventually someday I'll get serious about this and I'll really start living for the Lord. I had a lot of, you know, what you might call youth camp religion. I'd get really, I, I liked church. I liked going to church. I liked feeling the Lord, but I just wasn't very consistent in the uh, in-between times and would just kind of do my own thing. And then when I was 16, I can still remember it, and I did not tell my parents at the time um, about what happened because I was concerned that they would uh, uh, want to kill me. Uh, I don't think they would have, but it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, your teenage mind working. And so I remember it was the day before my oldest sister's wedding. And uh, a little bit of a funny story is my mom had went to Sonic to get us all food, and they forgot my order. And so I'm hungry, and I'm irritated, and I'm 16, so I hop in my car, and I peel out to go to the Sonic to, you know, get my order. And we lived on this gravel road that you had to take to get to the main road, and there was a curve on it that you had to take around 35 or 40 miles an hour or you were going to possibly lose control. Well, I'm irritated and frustrated, so I just decide I'm going to take this thing faster because I wasn't paying attention. And as soon as I take that curve, I start swerving, and the car I was driving just kind of out of control, and I kept overcorrecting, and I couldn't get control of the vehicle. And on this gravel road, on one side was a little bit of a hill that if you went up it, it wasn't a good chance that you might flip the car. And on the other side, there was a ravine. And so I was trying to do my best to get control of the car. And eventually it stopped just a few feet from that ravine that was probably about 20 feet deep and pretty steep on both sides. So as if you can imagine, if you've got a car going 50 or 55 miles an hour and you go off over into that ravine because you're out of control, it would not have been a good situation. Right. And so that really shook me and uh, caused me to realize that I needed to get serious. And so I remember it was that Monday night after, that was on a Friday, and it was that Monday night that we went to a family camp down in Fletcher, Oklahoma, and Brother uh, Danny Taylor, the president at OBI and the pastor there, he was preaching. And I really was praying hard in the altars after he preached, and uh, my parents and different people there, they thought I was praying for the Holy Ghost. And uh, what they didn't know was I was actually praying to be saved because I knew I needed to, to make sure I had things right with the Lord that I needed to get serious. And so then uh, I prayed and I got saved and I was uh, very thankful for that, that the Lord gave me that grace that I didn't go out into eternity and, uh, and what could have been a bad car wreck, but he had mercy on me and uh, I was able to get saved shortly thereafter. So you got saved and how long did you stay there between that and the moment of going to Bible school. So that would have been about uh, two years or so before I went to Bible school. and uh, So you went to OBI? Yeah, I went to OBI, okay. so uh, don't anybody hold that against me. No, I think OBI is a, a great school, and I uh, loved all of my time there and had a great experience. Met my uh, wife there. Uh, she was went by the name of Chelsea Cornett. Uh, before we got married, so uh, for any of though that you know, any of you that know my father-in-law, brother Doug Cornett, don't hold that against me. Uh, <laughs> I, I love brother Doug; he, now, he's we're, phenomenal. We're, we're hoping to have him on the podcast. I know, definitely yeah. want to have his testimony recorded 
and uh, and definitely have it saved, and so we can always have it. Because if you've Such not an heard awesome it, story. it's unlike any other you've ever heard. Amen. That's for sure. Just he, he's such a great man of God, and I just uh, we have a lot of fun with each other right. uh, and cut up a lot. But he is just such a great spiritual example. So, how many years did you go to Bible school? So, I went to Bible school for three years, and I actually graduated with a four-year degree. I decided to decided to try to be an overachiever, and I just took extra huh. classes and worked hard and graduated in three years. Okay, and so you met your met your soon-to-be wife. Yeah. In Bible school. And so when did you get married? We got married in between our second and third year. Okay. And decided to go back and, and finish Bible school. And uh, so we went one year as a married couple, and that was a uh, interesting experience. Yeah, I'd say that would be, going to school together. <laughs> <laughs> we were also over a ministry group, so that just made things, you know, uh, really fun that here we were, newlyweds, uh-huh. going to Bible school, working, you know, as much as we could because... Suddenly, our parents weren't, you know, giving us very much financial help, and I don't hold that against them. It was kind of like, well, you made this decision that you're going to get married and you're going to go back to Bible school, so you need to get this thing figured out on your own. And uh, thankfully, the Lord helped us, and and uh, we were able to go through Bible school and finish up that last year. Uh huh. So graduating Bible school, what was the next step? So now you're married, so. So the next step was to do um, Kids Crusades throughout the summer. We had been asked by the school um, to do Kids Crusades that year, and we agreed to do it. But there so was somebody just call the school and say, I want a Kids Crusade, and then they just send you? or Well, that was kind of what they did. Um, Brother Terry Miles over at the school there, he had wanted to have a summer group do Kids Crusades, and he had talked to us about it, and he said, I've got some churches that want a group to do Kids Crusades, and would y'all be willing to do them? And we prayed about it and felt like that would be what the will of the Lord was for us for the first little bit after we got out of school. Uh And so we agreed to do those Kids Crusades. All right. So Kids Crusades, so how long did you run the roads? Uh, From about... The end of May to the middle of August of that year. Okay. And so I remember when you and Sister Chelsea started, you had gotten married and you had came around this area. And of course, Sister Chelsea's grandpa is Brother David Miller. And so that's where we're at right now. And uh, we had just ended revival here um, at PHT. And so we, we love this church and all these people. And, uh, and so her grandpa is here. So you was at camp meeting. And yes. uh, camp meetings always uh, around the first of May. Usually, it was first week of May, and uh, and so I remember you praying in the altar, and you were seeking the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So when I got saved at sixteen, ever since I'd got saved all the way through Bible school, I had been seeking the Holy Ghost, and really, I I can't explain how much I even got in my own way with seeking for it. Um, I just overthought things probably a little bit too much and had a certain picture of exactly how I wanted to get it. And and, uh, I remember it was actually Brother Miller talking to me about it, and he was basically kind of just walking me through it and saying, you can't choose how you're going to get it. If somebody's giving you a gift, you don't get to say, well, I want it this way, and I want it at this time, and I want these people to be around and everything. And and it really just helped me the way he, you know, was just help uh, helping me talk through it and and helping me really just surrender to Lord. However, you want to give me the Holy Ghost when it is. If it's a fast song, slow song. If it's during preaching. If it's an altar call. If it's me stepping out during service. Whatever it is, I I, I I'm willing, Lord. Just 
tell me what to do. And I'll never forget, it was Friday night um, of camp meeting. During the Vesper service, Brother Trey Holden was preaching, and he preached on the Holy Ghost. And, and I knew that I felt like the Lord had told me that afternoon that he was going to give me the Holy Ghost. And as soon as the main service started, um, there was a group up singing, and I just felt the Lord tell me, go out and step out to the front and raise your hands, and I'll give you the Holy Ghost. And I'd been seeking for it all week, praying uh, hard in the altars, and and I, I was never one that liked to step out and be the first one to go down to the altars or to be noticed. I was just real reserved in nature. And uh, I felt like, though, if I was going to get it, I was going to have to be surrendered. So I stepped out, raised my hands, and it didn't take uh, no time at all until the Lord baptized me with the Holy Ghost. So definitely, young person or anybody seeking the Holy Ghost, take away from that. Obey the voice of God. Step out. Do what God's dealing with you to do. And uh, I've often told people what other preachers have told me. If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, don't beg. Worship. That's right. And uh, and so that's what, just the other day, we was preaching somewhere, and a young boy was seeking the Holy Ghost. That's what I told him. That's what a lot of preachers told me. Don't beg, just worship. And that's what I did. And I think it's also just having a confidence that right. it's God's promise. It's His gift. You yeah. don't have to be worried Am I going to do something wrong? Am I going to mess up and not say the right words? If you'll just worship Him with confidence that He's going to give it to you, that's the key is just being surrendered and saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then in that right. moment saying yes and just going and worshiping Him with the confidence that He's promised it, it's already yours, you're just going up there to claim it. So you were saved, sanctified, you'd gotten married, um, you went to Bible school, and then you got married, and you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then you started doing kids' crusades. And so take us to about when you started getting called to preach and then how you ended up um, So really, here. all throughout being a teenager, I'd felt the hand of God on my life impressing upon me that I was supposed to be a preacher. And even after I got saved, it was something that I fought quite a bit because I wanted to do my own thing. You know, I wanted to be saved. I wanted to go to church, but I didn't necessarily want to be a preacher. Uh, I was never one that liked being up in front of crowds. It would just terrify me to death. I'll never forget the worst mistake I feel like I ever made in my life was I agreed to do the closing prayer of my high school graduation. You may say, well, as a preacher <laughs> and a Christian, how is that the worst mistake you ever made in your life? Well, at the time, you know, I was thinking this is going to be great. I'm going to get to, you know, close out the high school graduation. And I remember, though, when I got to my graduation, I was a nervous wreck the entire graduation. I knew I was going to have to get up there and speak in front of thousands of people. And as soon as I got up there, I was just terrified. I didn't have the Holy Ghost yet, so I, I didn't have uh, that boldness to depend on. And, and the Lord did help me, and I was thankful for the opportunity, but I was not one that liked to be in front of crowds. So I really fought that. And then throughout going to Bible school, I knew God was calling me to preach, but I also knew until I got the Holy Ghost, I really couldn't accept that calling until I got the power of being filled with the Holy Ghost. So as soon as God uh, filled me with the Holy Ghost that Friday night of camp meeting, um, I accepted the call to preach. I had called Brother Miller because uh, after we were going to be done doing the kids' crusades, we were going to come back up here 
and work in the church. We'd already talked to him about that and prayed mm-hmm. about it and knew that that would be our next step after the kids' crusades. So I called him and I said, I, uh, I know that the Lord's called me to preach. And so we just talked about that. And then uh, we went and started doing kids' crusades and I started preaching at the same time. And so I preached my first uh, several messages out on the road doing kids' crusades. So you was kind of part-time evangelizing your first messages. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. I was kind of trial by fire. I preached on Sunday morning my first message, then I preached on Sunday Did night. Did they know that was your first message? After I preached, I think. <laughs> and so then I preached that Sunday night, then I preached Tuesday night, and then I preached Wednesday night. So I preached four times in four days my first four messages. Wow. So it was trial by fire. Yeah. Yeah, find out what you're made of. <laughs> and so you ended up here at PHT. Yes. And so we uh, came up here, and uh, we were going to be doing some outreach through the church. And it just so happened that along the same time was when the former youth pastor here at Brother Miller's uh, church, Brother Steve Allen, he had resigned to start pastoring a church. And that happened in August. And so then uh, Brother Miller, he started having us do some things with the young people. And then in December, he came to me and he said, I want you to pray about becoming my next youth pastor. And so prayed about it. And we started uh, youth pastoring in what would have been uh, January of 2017. And youth pastored for five years here. And uh, had just a wonderful time working with the young people, seeing the Lord move on them, seeing them get filled with the Holy Ghost, drawing closer to the Lord and had just a great time. And then uh, here, just the past little while, felt the Lord tell us that our time being youth pastors was done. And so we uh, made what was really the hardest decision we've ever made in our ministry, just to resign and say, Lord, we're putting everything in your hands and we're just gonna wait for the next step. And that's where we're currently at, just waiting on the Lord and seeing what he has in store for us next. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting place to be. Um, when you're trying to do something for the Lord and there's just a big question mark and you're just kind of in that waiting period, but the way God uses that and takes us where we're at. So that brings us up to date. That brings us to where we're at right now. And I asked you um, a few days ago, because you've been a youth pastor many years, you went to Bible school. So you've been around the young folks uh, uh, for your whole ministry and yes. even before that. So you've been around young folks a lot. And my question was, I asked you, from your perspective, being around that many young folks for that many years, and your heart being around young folks for so long, if you had the opportunity to, which our podcast, our demographic is more on the younger end, even though I know we have a lot of adults and older folks that listen as well, but um, a lot of young folks listening to podcasts. And so what would be something that, if you could just tell a couple hundred young folks, for example, what would be something that was on your heart that you would want to tell them? And almost immediately you text me back and said, or will you call me rather, and said, this is what comes to me. And so I don't even know how to start it out, but just to say you've got some uh, spiritual guidance, I guess you could say. It's um, a broad topic. Too. Yeah, it is a broad topic, and we could go many parts on this, but we're not going to. But a topic that we're going to narrow down to one conversation, and it's very needed right now. More so, you know, maybe 50 years ago wouldn't have been so much of an issue, but with today and today's technology and everything, this is something that 
we definitely want to address. So if you want to go ahead and start us off, and I think our listeners will kind of gather what we're going to talk about here in a moment. So like Brother Austin was saying when he asked me about being on the podcast, it was just instantly something that uh, really for the past year or even two years I've really felt strongly about is the generation of young people that we have. They've got great intentions. They've got a great desire to do something for the Lord. And they've got a desire to learn more about God and to to be more knowledgeable when it comes to Scripture and to know why they believe what they believe. And in that, they are turning to a lot of sources to try and understand that. And with the technology we have today, you can go on online and you can go on YouTube and you can listen to sermons or teachings and you can go, you know, here we are on this podcast and there's many other. And I think it's a great thing that young people have this desire to know more about what they believe. And I think it's awesome that we have so many people like Brother Austin and and, uh, Brother Zach that have their podcast here and so many other great podcasts that have uh, holiness people giving uh, answers that young people have and talking about subjects that they're curious about and giving them godly counsel. But I think there's also a great danger in the fact that there's other people and there's other sources of information that they're going to, and you've got what you could call social media influencers taking the spiritual guidance uh, place in young people's life of giving that spiritual counsel that really in past generations it was just parents and pastors and uh, maybe church elders that held that position. And now you've got so many uh, influencers, if we want to call them that, that young people are turning to to get their spiritual guidance. And uh, with that, I felt a, a scripture on my heart of Second Peter 3 and 18. The Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be both glory now and forever. Amen. And uh, in that verse, it talks about growing in knowledge, and it's a great desire but you have to be very careful where you're getting that knowledge from. Right. Because if you actually read in the verses previous to that, Peter makes a, a great point about knowing who it is that you're actually listening to. And he says in verse number 15, "...an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you." So what Peter's saying here is, We know that Paul is preaching and teaching what's right, and you can take account of that, and you can depend on that. And then he says in verse 16, "...as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction." Ye, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And I thought those verses are just so powerful for the generation of young people we have today that they have a desire to know what is right. And so they're turning to spiritual sources to learn more about God. But if they're not careful, they may turn to the wrong person or the wrong thing and be led astray. 
with the desire to grow closer to God. It's not that they want to be led astray. It's not that they want to do something wrong, but they're just, if you go to the wrong source, you're going to end up in the wrong place. And so I want to talk about uh, really three different things here about influencers and being careful. And the first thing that came to my mind was influencers you don't know. And these would be like your, your big national influencers, whether it's a, a national preacher who's uh, got a huge congregation, whether it's a uh, conservative uh, figure that's maybe more on the political spectrum or whatever the case might be. And you, you know that they're a big name and, and all, but you don't really know personally what they believe. When it comes to scripture, you don't know what their actual doctrine is, what theology they hold to. And so you'll start listening with the good motives and you, you hear little uh, bits of a sermon or you hear little things from them that, yeah. that they sound right and they sound good. And so you start listening to them. And I actually experienced this in my own life not too long ago. Um, it was in 2020. Um, right after the presidential election, I don't want to get too political here, but I got the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. with my mother-in-law sister, uh, Melissa Cornett. She organized a prayer walk around the Capitol building, and we got to go up there, and we, we met with some people um, from Washington, D.C., um, that were Christians uh, doing political work up there, and, and they really talked to us about the need for Christians to be more involved in politics. And uh, it really sparked a, a burden in my heart. So I started uh, looking for resources to kind of learn a little bit more about what as a Christian we should be doing. And I think that's something very important in the world we live in today to be involved in those things. And so I came across this conservative podcast done by this uh, person. And I really enjoyed a lot of what they had to say, and it was great stuff about how a Christian should be involved in their local community. But then what I started noticing was there started being more and more episodes that dealt more of a theological nature. And this person started talking more about what they believe, and I realized really quickly that what they believed was different than what I believed. Mm -hmm. They were talking about... Um, Eternal security, once saved, always yeah. saved. And uh, I still, I, I liked what they had said before, but it opened my eyes and I thought, you know, I just can't listen to this person in the same way. I'm going to have to stop. There's a good number of preachers out there that have millions of followers and millions of people watch maybe their YouTube um, services or, you know, a podcast or anything. And there's many that I've listened to through the years and some that, you know, you just have to be very careful because they may preach a beautiful sermon. They may never say anything about Calvinism. And we done episodes on Calvinism on this podcast already. It's a very serious problem. And uh, you can listen to those and they'll preach a beautiful sermon and then they'll just be little things. All through the sermon, sometimes they'll take a whole point and just you know just lay it out there. But a lot of times there'll be little subtle things, and you get that in your head, and never know. It just plants a seed. You know how we try to witness to people, and we mm -hmm. try to tell them about the Lord. We're trying to plant a seed to get a hold of them later. Well, so is the enemy. He's trying to plant a seed to get us later, and that's a damnable doctrine that gives a license to sin. And so, as you said, we need to be careful about listening to stuff like that. 
Well, I'll tell you an interesting story from my own life. Um, for a little bit, I worked as a pest control technician at Orkin Pest Control. Oh my! Yeah. Well, you don't work there anymore, so praise the Lord. That was a maybe we should have a whole a whole episode about what you've seen in pest control. <laughs> I could tell one quick story. Most interesting story. Want to hear it? Huh? Wanna sure. Most Listeners want to hear it. All right. Sorry for this rabbit trail, but this was while I was training with this one well, guy. Cockroach trail. Oh, this, this is worse. This is worse than cockroaches or bed bugs, if that can be possible. So we were training. We went to this nice, nicest ho- uh, nice house over in a uh, suburb that uh, was a tri-level, I believe, house. And it was probably built in the 90s or so. And it, it was updated and looked pretty nice. Uh-huh. And so you walk in, and the first floor was the living room and the bedroom. Or, sorry, the living room and the kitchen. You go upstairs, there's a bedroom, and then the downstairs was a finished basement. And this family had two dogs, and they had the dogs uh, potty trained in an interesting manner. The <laughs> downstairs was their litter box, and it was carpeted and it was no. finished, and they were not picking it up. The basement? Yes. It was just all over the floor, all over the place. No. The good thing is I had a horrible sinus infection, and I have never been so thankful to have my nose all stopped up to where I could not smell a thing. And the guy who was training me, finished basement, carpeted. And the guy who was training me, he was about to die. He's like, this place smells so so awful, doesn't it? I'm like, I've got a sinus infection, and I've never been thankful. No, really, it didn't smell too bad. The the medium or uh, the middle floor, the ground floor, it kind of had a little bit of an odor to it. And they had a mouse problem and some other pests. And it's like, well, you you might have a problem downstairs. You need to take care of. Oh my goodness! But I mentioned pest control to mention this about the little things. How do I get my mind back on influencers? We'll we'll get back there. <laughs> we'll bring it bring it back with this. That is so gross. So while I was working there, I learned something about rat poison. And other people might have heard this, too, from different places. But rat poison, the amount of poison in it, Brother Austin, how much do you think is actual poison in that? Uh, 25%. The average rat poison is less than a hundredth of a percent poison. Really? 0.001% poison. And that's what's used to kill them. And so when we're talking about these influencers that you don't know, it doesn't take a lot. Son, are y'all hearing this? He's about to start preaching right here. It's a little thing. Yeah. It's a little bit of untruth. It can be 99% true. It can be 99.9% true. And if there's that little bit of deceit tucked in, it's going to slowly start killing you. And that's what happens with those rats. Rat poison isn't like a mousetrap. It's not instant death, but it's a slow, drawn-out process. Well, Brother Jarris, I hate to cut you off, but with that, we're going to cut it. We've already, been going, right. we've already been going for over a half hour, and we've probably got another 20 minutes, half hour to go. So We'll have to have a part two. We might have to do a part two. Sorry, everybody. I apologize. I really do. I apologize, but, you know... We don't want to hold you here forever. <laughs> we might be on here for an hour and a half. We could be. Our longest episode's been an hour. We don't I, want to go I don't want that. to go over an hour. So stay tuned. Come in next Tuesday. Will you still be here, Brother Jairus? Yeah, I'll be here. All right. See you later. See ya. When this race-
race of life I've run The Lord says to me, my child, well done There will be no regrets for me I'll be living with you through all eternity I don't